As we go to the Word of God this morning, we want to reflect that one effect that the coronavirus is having upon us all is that we're having to change our plans, both small and great. Who would have thought just a few short months ago how different life would be today? As a result, a lot of plans have had to be changed. Uh, for example, in the life of the church, uh, we had to cancel our services and meeting together. We had to cancel our Good Friday, uh, our uh, baptismal service, our Easter service. Uh, in society in general, school activities and functions have had to be canceled, not to mention school itself. It is hard to know how to plan for the future, especially in these very uncertain days. When will our church services resume? We don't know. Will we have day camp this summer? We don't know. There are a host of questions for which at this point we simply have no answer. And yet, we still must plan. And yet, we still must prepare. We must take steps as we anticipate to the best of our limited knowledge what might take place in the future. I'm sure you're wrestling with a lot of plans and decisions in your own life. Maybe you're thinking about vacation this summer and what is going to happen in regard to vacation. Our own family had to cancel vacation plans that we had for early June as it looked like that was not going to be able to come to pass in the way that we had anticipated. This morning, in our passage, we learn a great deal concerning planning in uh, the life of the Apostle Paul. Last week, we heard the reasons why Paul had not yet gone to Rome. What had prevented or hindered him to that point? Uh, and to sum it up simply, uh, Paul's ministry had not yet been completed. Uh, his work of evangelization took priority, and as a result, uh, he had delayed in coming to speak to the Roman church where the gospel was already present and where there were mature believers who were quite capable of teaching each other. This week, Paul reveals his future plans, which includes his going to Rome. So this morning, our theme is a consideration of Paul's future plans. And from the example of the Apostle Paul, we learn a great deal about uh, our attitude and uh, our uh, limitations in our planning our future plans. So the theme, a consideration of Paul's plans. First, Paul reveals his plans to go to Rome. We might ask, why is Paul planning to go to Rome at this time? What has changed after not going to Rome for so many years? Paul supplies four reasons in our text why he is now coming to Rome after such a long delay. The first reason Paul is planning to go to Rome is because his work is finished in the region that he is presently ministering. If you look at Romans 15, 19, it reads, by the power 
of signs and wonders by the power of the Spirit of God, and now these words, so that from Jerusalem and all the way around to Illyricum, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. Then down to verse 22 of chapter 15. This is the reason why I've been often hindered from coming to you. Now these words. But now, since I have no longer have any room for work in these regions. Paul says he has no more room for work. His ministry is completed. He has reached those that needed to be reached. What a, a joy and delight it must have been in the life of the Apostle Paul to be able to say that that work is, is done. But in order to be able to say that, that one's work is done, one must have a plan, one must have a strategy, one must have established goals in the numbers of people that were going to be reached and the areas in which they were going to be reached. Had every single person in that vast area heard the gospel? I doubt very much that they did. So one might ask the question then, how can Paul say that his work is finished and there is no other place to preach the gospel in that realm? Well, we must understand that we are not in the work of the ministry alone. We have brothers and sisters in Christ that minister alongside of us. And not only does the ministry not end with ourselves, but there are future generations that are going to carry on the work of God. Paul's small part in the overall kingdom work is done. But the kingdom of work needs to continue. It needs to be carried on by other individuals that are going to be telling still others about the Lord Jesus Christ. And nonetheless, though not every single person had heard, Paul could say that his personal ministry had been fulfilled or accomplished. That uh, is important for us to realize as we make plans and goals and establish uh, ministry objectives, that it doesn't mean that we have to meet every single need that is present. It doesn't mean that we have to dot every I and cross every T in order to say that we have accomplished or fulfilled the work that God has given us to do. Paul had finished the work that God had given to him. Secondly, Paul is planning to go to Rome because he had been wanting to go to Rome for such a long time. If you look at verse 23, but now since I no longer have any room for work in these regions, and then this, and since I have longed for many years to come to you. Paul had wanted for a long period of time to go to, to Rome and to minister to them. In fact, not only had Paul wanted to go to the Romans for so many years, he actually had repeatedly made plans to go to the Romans, but unfortunately, to this point, those plans were not able to be fulfilled. In Romans chapter 1, verse 13, Paul writes, I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that I've often intended to come to you, but thus far have been prevented. So often. How often is often? I don't know. Uh, but it certainly means repeated. And it means repeated without 
a great deal of time lapse in between. So taking into consideration that Paul says he's had a longing for years, that means that uh, on more than five or ten occasions, uh, Paul must have planned to go to Rome. And yet each time that plan failed. It failed because it was not the will of God. But there are some important lessons for us to learn uh, even from that truth. And that is that even those Paul's plans had to change many times, he did not give up on planning. He didn't say, well, what's the use? I make all these plans and they don't work out the way that I intend them. There must be no value in planning. There must be no benefit. Uh, I'm just going to throw up my hands and just wing it from here on and forget about trying to make any plans for the future. No, that's not Paul's response. And perhaps even more importantly, is even though his plans to go to Rome had fallen through many times in the past, Paul did not take away from that that it would be wrong for him to go to Rome. He didn't see the fact that his plans to go to Rome in the past, having not been completed, meant that he no longer should think about going to Rome. Sometimes we get the impression from people that if repeatedly they have made a plan that has failed, it's a determination, uh, an ipso facto, if you will, that that must not be the will of God, that that must not be what we are to do, or that plan would have succeeded. No, Paul has had the same plan for a number of years, falling through repeatedly, and yet he maintains the same goal, yet he maintains the same purpose. He maintains the same desire. He is about to accomplish the same end. In this instance, going to Rome. If we are going to see our plans through, it requires perseverance. It requires us overcoming setbacks, limitations, um, frustrations, difficulties. Uh, we need to persevere in our planning. Thirdly, Paul is planning to go to Rome in order to obtain financial support for his ministry in Spain. Romans 15, 24. I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain and to be helped on my journey there by you. Helped on my journey there by you. Most likely the help that he is looking for is financial support. Paul is quite candid and not at all embarrassed about seeking support from the Romans when he comes. Application. We too should not be embarrassed in seeking the financial support of God's people for God's work. It is a duty and obligation as well as a privilege and a joy to be involved in support of, of the Lord's work. However, we must also be aware of abuses, especially in this day and age in which we live, when we are bombarded by religious programming, whether on TV or radio or through the mail, that is relentless in their fundraising campaigns. We need to practice discernment. But nonetheless, God's work needs to be funded. Fourthly, Paul is planning to go to Rome to be spiritually refreshed. Verse 24, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain and to be helped on my journey there by you. 
once I have enjoyed, and that's the word we're looking at, once I've enjoyed your company for a while. The idea of enjoying their company includes with it the idea of being refreshed, invigorated, renewed for the work of God. So Paul is looking forward to having a respite that involves being in their presence. It can be a wonderful joy to be in the presence of God's people. I'm looking forward to the time in which we can meet once again together collectively. And I believe it will be a time of spiritual refreshment. It will be a time of encouragement, of joy, of delight. We long to be together. And it is not selfish to want to be together and to look forward to that time in which we are helped spiritually simply by being in each other's presence. Application, it's good to let people know of our intentions. Paul is writing to the Romans and declaring his plans for it helps them in their expectations. It helps them to understand what motivates the Apostle Paul. It helps them to look forward to the future with hope. It renews them as they think about what the future may hold. It also aids them in their own planning and their own preparation. As Paul tells them that when he comes, he is going to be looking for financial support. It gives them the opportunity to get ready, to save, uh, to make collections, so that when Paul is coming, uh, they're able to meet that need and to send him on his way. Secondly, Paul reveals his plan of going to Jerusalem before he goes to Rome. So why is he going to Jerusalem before he goes to Rome? And why is he going to Jerusalem at all? Uh, Paul answers those questions. First, Paul is planning to go to Jerusalem to minister to the need of believers not to preach the gospel, verse 25. At present, however, I'm going to Jerusalem bringing aid to the saints. Now, why would Paul do that? For you notice that Paul is ministering not to unbelievers. He's not sharing the gospel. He is bringing aid to them. We'll talk more about that in just a moment. Paul is planning to go to Jerusalem in order to give them a monetary gift that is coming from the churches in Macedonia and Achaia, Romans 15, 26. For Macedonia and Achaia have been pleased to make some contribution for the poor among the saints at Jerusalem. Macedonia included Philippi and Thessalonica. Antioch uh, included uh, Corinth. This contribution that Paul refers to is first mentioned in 1 Corinthians 16, 1. Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I directed the churches of Galatia, so you also do. The contribution the churches made was a part of their religious duty, verse 27, for they were pleased to do it, and indeed they owe it to them. For if the Gentiles have come to share in their spiritual blessings, they ought also to be of service to them in material things. So Paul sees this as their religious duty. 
having benefited from the spiritual heritage of the Jewish people, now these Jewish people who are in financial need are to be aided by the church in the giving of money and foodstuffs. So Paul is planning to go to Jerusalem so that the monetary gift will be properly understood and received to the glory of God. Romans 15, 28. When therefore I have completed this and have delivered them to what has been collected. One might ask the question, why is Paul involved in this ministry? Paul said that his priority was to preach the gospel. So now why is he involved in alleviating the uh, needs of the poor saints that are in Jerusalem? Why doesn't he leave that to someone else? Why is he making that a priority at this time? Answer, this gift was to be associated with Paul's ministry. And that is for a number of reasons. First, it's not because Paul was egotistical and was looking to get credit. It wasn't that he was trying to get a pat on the back for uh, having uh, shared these monies with the poor saints at Jerusalem that came from the churches, but rather because the collection of these monies was an important element of the Apostle Paul's ministry and in fact is an important element of the gospel itself. In Galatians chapter 2, there is a meeting that is recorded among James and Cephas and John and Paul. So the, these uh, apostles had gotten together and they referred to in verse 9 as pillars of the church. It says that they gave the right hand of fellowship to Barnabas and to me that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. Only, they asked us, to remember the poor. The very thing that I was eager to do. So in the very onset of Paul's ministry, it was charged to him by the other apostles, the apostles to the Jews, he being an apostle to the Gentiles, that the Jews would not be forgotten and they would not be neglected and that monies would be raised to help them in their financial need that was present in Jerusalem at that time. Paul says, I will do that. And so now that these monies have been collected, Paul is taking them along with others to Jerusalem as testimony to the fruit of the gospel. Here were individuals who came to know salvation. And in coming to know the Lord Jesus Christ as their savior, the barrier between Jew and Greek was uh, being torn down. And a love was being replaced by the animosity that had previously uh, been present. And so now these Gentiles are willing to give of their own uh, monies to alleviate the poverty and the suffering of the Jewish people. This was a demonstration of the grace and the power of the gospel. 
So Paul was taking this as a testimony to the working and grace of God. Paul had taught the Gentiles that they were indebted to the Jews spiritually. Again, verse 27. For they were pleased to do it, and indeed they owe it to them. For the Gentiles have come to share in their spiritual blessings, that they also ought to be of service to them in material blessings. Application, we learn that giving is a part of the Christian ministry. That giving is a result of the work of God in the hearts of his people. That there is a desire once a person comes to know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior to support God's people and the work of God. So it is even to this very day. As we think about our own church, as we think about supporting uh, the, the work of God, as we think about uh, supporting our fellow believers, uh, it is essential that we understand that it is both a not only duty and obligation, but also a privilege and a blessing to be able to participate in giving. Thirdly, Paul reveals his plan of going to Spain after spending a short time in Rome. Verse 28. When therefore I've completed this and have delivered to them what has been collected, I will leave for Spain by way of you. Uh, Rome is just going to be a diversion. It's going to be a stopping point on Paul's ultimate next excursion, which is to Spain. The text does not explicitly state why Paul is planning to go to Spain, but we can surmise from what Paul has told us in the past that most likely it is to share the gospel. He's going to yet another unreached people group and ministering to Spain so that they too would come to faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. So this morning, let us stop and consider for a moment the results of Paul's planning. How does all of this work out? As Paul has given rather some detail into what he thinks his future is going to hold, how he intends to minister. Uh, his plans to go to Rome, to Jerusalem, then to Spain. Well, as we think about how all this works out, the first thing I would point out to you is Paul is convinced that the will of God is going to be accomplished, verse 29. I know that when I come to you, I will come in the fullness of the blessing of Christ. He says, when, when I come, I know that this is going to be the work of Christ. This is going to be a completement of his will, that I and you are going to experience the favor of God through Christ when I eventually come to you. Herein is an important element in understanding the blessing that's associated with doing the will of God. Rather than to seek God to bless our plans, we are to make our plans subservient to God's will and then experience his blessing. God's 
sovereignty overrules our plans. In Proverbs 16.9, it states, The heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. Let me read that again. Proverbs 16.9. The heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. So Paul is convinced that however all of this works out, it is going to be experiencing the fullness of Christ's blessing. That's the way we need to look at our plans. And when the plans don't work out in keeping with what we thought should take place, we need to remember that our plans are accomplishing the will of God. God's will is trumping our plans. And so even when our plans are frustrated, even when they don't come to pass, we are to rejoice, we're to give thanks, and we are to submit to a God who knows better than we, a God who knows the beginning from the end, a God who has no limitations in his power that's accomplishing his purpose and his will. So again, how did all this turn out? Well, Paul's plans did not work out the way that he thought that they would. Paul's plans did not work out the way that he thought that they would. First, Paul did not go to Rome as he expected. He came in chains as a prisoner. After Paul's arrest, he stood before the council to make a defense. The next night, Paul had a vision. And in this vision, we read this, Acts 23, 11. The following night, the Lord stood by him and said, Take courage, for as you have testified to the facts about me in Jerusalem, so you must testify also in Rome. So Paul is going to go to Rome. He is going to have a testimony. He's going to have an opportunity to declare the gospel and his committedness to it. But he's going in chains. Later, when Paul appears before Festus, he makes an appeal to be tried at Rome. In Acts 25, 9 through 12, it says, But Festus, wishing to do the Jews a favor, said to Paul, Do you wish to go up to Jerusalem and there be tried on these charges before me? But Paul said, I am standing before Caesar's tribunal, where I ought to be tried. To the Jews I have done no wrong, as you yourself know very well. If then I am a wrongdoer and have committed anything for which I deserve to die, I do not seek to escape death. But if there is nothing to their charges against me, no one can give me up to them. I appeal to Caesar. Then Fester, when he had confirmed with his counsel, answered, To Caesar you appealed. To Caesar you shall go. So in keeping with the vision that God had given to Paul, that he was going to go in chains to Rome, Paul appeals uh, to the Roman uh, court system to uh, bring his case before them. Acts 28, verse 16. And when we came into Rome, Paul was allowed to stay by himself with a soldier who guarded him. So Paul did come to Rome, but he came in imprisonment, 
but the imprisonment that he experienced in Rome was a house arrest, and others were able to come and visit Paul. According to Acts 28, verse 30, he lived there two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him. Two years. Paul said, I'm going to come to Rome for a short while, and then I'm going to Spain. Well, it turned out that he's there for two years under house arrest, but in the sovereignty and goodness of God, people were still able to come and go. People were still able to converse with him, but he did not have the freedom to go where he wanted to go or to do what he wanted to do. Secondly, what about Paul's plans to go to Spain? We can't say with absolute certainty. The church father, Clement I, seems to indicate that Paul did, in fact, go to Spain. However, almost all of the modern Bible scholars don't think that he did, that that plan never came to pass, that Paul was martyred before uh, he was ever able to go to Spain. Again, we can't say with absolute certainty, but most likely that plan did not come to pass either. Application. Plans often do not work out the way that we expect. We are seeing a lot of applications to that truth even as we work our way through this ordeal with the coronavirus. A lot of the things that we had anticipated for the months of March and April and May and probably into the summer months are not taking place. We can get frustrated and ask ourselves, what's the point, what's the use? Nevertheless, planning is important. We have to, with the best of our abilities, with our limited understanding, still try to anticipate what God would have us to do in the future. So we need to act with wisdom. Our planning should be with strategy. But our planning also needs to be with a tremendous amount of humility, recognizing that there are tremendous limitations that we are experiencing, that we cannot bring to pass everything that we anticipate, everything that we hope, everything we desire to do. But that should not frustrate us. That should not anger us. That should not cause us to question God's goodness. But rather, it should cause us to give give. Uh, praise and thanks unto God, a God who uh, is all wise, a God who is all caring, a God who is just, a God who knows, a God who's in control, who is acting contrary to what we had expected. We should be thankful that he does, that he has overruled, that he's kept us from making uh, mistakes, if you will, and that what is being accomplished in the end, the result of these unforeseen <laughs> changes to our plans are actually furthering his kingdom, are actually accomplishing his purpose and to be rejoiced in. Conclusion, there is nothing wrong with making plans. There is nothing wrong with sharing our plans with others. They need to make plans as well. 
but all plans are tentative. Final plans are indeed not final. They're not final until they have been completely fulfilled. Let us not forget that Paul had a plan and a strategy for sharing the gospel. He made a priority of going to the places where the gospel had not yet been heard. He made plans. He had a strategy for ministering to the region round about Jerusalem and Illyricum. And all of that strategy paid off. All of that planning was fulfilled. That work was completed. Let us not forget all the plans that we make that don't fall through. All the plans that we make that are completed. All that God is doing and has done through us. So let us rejoice both in the plans that fail and the plans that succeed. And may we give glory to God for both the plans that fail and the plans that succeed. So let us not be discouraged. Let us take heart. Let us submit to the Lord in all of our plans. Let us adopt the proper spirit during this pandemic of the coronavirus. coronavirus. Let's not ask the question, what's gone wrong? May we understand that our plans are tenuous at best. Let us remember that a great many of our plans are going to have to change, but some of them will succeed. But it is not as a result of simply our effort and our wisdom, but as a result of God's grace, God's power, God's goodness. May God lead us. May God direct us. We have a board meeting taking place on Tuesday night. We're going to have to make some plans. But we leave them in God's hands. And we welcome him to do as he sees fit. Let's pray. Almighty God, help us, both individually and corporately, both in uh, our individual planning as well as a planning in the life of the church to continue to plan, not to get frustrated, to recognizing that planning is important, and at the same time to realize how quickly those plans can change, how limited we are to see what the future holds. And Lord, may we make the necessary changes with a sense of joy, with a sense of appreciation for your leading and your direction. Lord, uh, may you grant us courage, comfort, and strength. Help us not to grow weary in well-doing. Help us not to question your goodness. Help us to plan, but to plan humbly and gladly accepting when our plans fail. 
For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.